Hello, and welcome to another episode of Yes, That Really Did Happen. Today, we're going to talk about the wilds of northern Maine. Far up in the north Maine woods, far away from any point of civilization, there are two steam locomotives. These locomotives, one was built in 1901 and uh, was 100 tons, a 280 for those of you wondering what the wheel arrangement was. And then there was another one built in 1897, a 460. Both these locomotives burned oil, and they were used by the Eagle Lake and West Branch Railroad. These locomotives are far from anywhere. How did they get there? Why are they there? And... What made it economically feasible to build a railroad in the middle of nowhere? Well, to answer those questions, we need to go back in time. It's the turn of the century. One of the largest uses of paper in this country is the newspaper. This is before radios, television. The newspaper was how people found out what was going on in the world. Not just the world, but their neighborhood. The local paper. Newspaper was a big business. And newspapers had to be printed on paper. Hey! So in 1899, a couple of guys got together. And they decided to build the world's largest paper mill. And they succeeded. They built this gigantic mill in the middle of nowhere in northern Maine. Called Great Northern Paper. The mill went on to thrive for about... 80 years, maybe 90 years before it started to decline, somewhere in that range. And to make the paper, they needed logs. Papers made from trees, especially newsprint. Newsprint's made from trees, particularly softwood. The northern Maine woods are full of spruce trees, a prized ingredient in making newsprint. So, They needed to feed this mill. And up until the 1930s, not much had changed in the forestry industry about how they forested and how they cut trees. Not much had changed since the 1820s. The 1920s, it was still the same. Men with hand saws. There weren't power saws. There weren't chain saws was men on two and or two person saws cutting down trees axes all of that and they were dumping these trees in a river and floating them down the river driving the logs down to the paper mill where the paper mill brought them in via the river ground them up into pulp and made newsprint this of course is much overly simplified but this is the business that was there world's largest paper mill they made more newsprint than anybody else they shipped it all around the world and they needed a lot of lumber a lot of trees they needed a lot of logs where did they get these the paper company had bought most of the state up into the Canadian border. 
It was a large swath of land. It was the majority of the state. They still needed to get the logs to them. In the 1920s, they were logging in this area far north of the paper mill in what is now the Allagash Protected Wilderness. And they needed to transport these logs to the river and lake system that delivered the logs to the mill. The mill had gone through and they had built this series of dams to generate electricity to power the mill and to regulate the water levels to drive the logs to the mill from there. They did this river driving from the from about 1900 through the 1960s. There was still a very small amount of river driving still done up through the 80s for one small section uh, where they would dump the logs in the river and run them into the mill in East Millinocket, Maine. There were two mills, one in Millinocket, Maine, and one in East Millinocket Lane. And there was a little bit of river driving there into, up until the 80s, but for the most part, it was done by the 1960s. It was replaced by trucks and bulldozers. This is what made more sense. You can bulldoze a road and load up trucks, and they built their own road called the Golden Road that ran right up to the Canadian border, and it was a very expensive road. At one time, it was paved almost the entire way, and it was a private road, so they didn't have to deal with those pesky uh, trucking regulations. And let me tell you, they hauled some really big loads on that. But let's get back to the trains. So prior to the technology change, trucking, roads, building, all of that good stuff, prior to that, we needed to get the logs to the lumber. Uh, sorry. Prior to that, we needed to get the logs to the lake that would drive them down to the mill. That was great until they got to this area called Eagle Lake. Eagle Lake flowed into the St. John River, not into the Penobscot River, which is where all of the logs being driven to the paper mill had to go down. They had to go down through the Penobscot River chain. So they needed to move these logs and they needed to move them efficiently and they needed to move a lot of them. At first they built a tramway. Tramways are basically lines of buckets on either a cable or a, or a track or something of that nature and they just continually move they have a stationary usually steam engine as this one did and it just moved the buckets and they had these cars that would hold so many logs and they would just run along there in a continual line a lot like a ride at disney right all continual not never stopping tramway that didn't move enough logs. So, in 26, they built 
a railroad. Um, a gentleman by the name of King, was his nickname, King LaCroix, he bought a 90-ton steam locomotive in New York and converted it to oil. And he bought another 90-ton steam locomotive, converted it to oil. And he was going to build this railway up in the middle of the woods. Now, to get these locomotives in was a very arduous task because there was nothing there. There were no roads. There were no railroads nearby. This was a mammoth undertaking. There was a railroad on the other side of the lake. So, what they did was they waited till winter. When the lake froze over, and uh, as the old timers in Maine used to say, six inches of ice will hold a team of horses. When the ice got to the right thickness to hold 90-ton steam locomotives, and I am not exactly sure what that thickness of ice should be. I'm thinking several feet. They started hauling them over by tractor and by team of horses. And they dragged these locomotives along with a 1,500-foot steel train trestle to get it over the river, the Allagash River, all the steel rails, 60 train cars, two gas-powered switcher locomotives, they got all of this into the North Main Woods and they put it together. The Great Northern Paper Company saw what this guy was doing. He was building this railroad so he could charge the paper company to use the railroad. And the paper company, being the paper company, decided, well, we'll just buy the railroad instead. And that's exactly what they did. Um, this uh, gentleman, King LaCroix, he went through and did all the work, did all the engineering, did all the planning, got all the equipment there, got everything ready to build, uh, and then was bought out. So finally, after all of this, in June 1st, 1927, the railroad made its first trip. So, how it worked was rather interesting. So, they were cutting logs all around Eagle Lake. And they were using teams of horses, teams of oxen, to drag the logs into the lake and dump them in the lake. Once in the lake, they would gather them up in booms and use a tugboat and uh, remember one end of Legal Lake is near civilization so it was pretty easy to get a tugboat in there 
and pull them across the lake where they had conveyor belts set up. And the conveyor belts continuously fed train cars. These train cars were filled with the logs continuously 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Each car held roughly 12 cords of wood. Each car could be filled in 18 minutes. The cars were built with a tilt to one side. And then when they got to the other lake called Umbazookas, I think that's how my father pronounced it. My father knows a lot about this. I've been hearing about this railroad my whole life. I should throw that out there. The tracks were tilted at about six inches. And so that made the cars really easy to tip over to dump the logs in. And the, the body of the cars were hinged. And so they would go in and they'd punch the pins and the cars would tip over and empt out. And then the train could get back for another load. Now, the reason that they had two locomotives. Now, there are, like I said, there are two locomotives up in the North Main Woods. The reason they had two locomotives is because it wasn't financially viable to run only one. It was too slow, too inefficient. So they did two locomotives, each with ten cars and a passing track. They also had two gas-powered switchers that they used to swap the cars out if they were damaged. They had more cars than that. They had 60 cars. So they would continually do this, and then they would service the trains. Every time they had to service the trains... They would swap the cars out so that way they could repair anything damaged on the cars. And that's what these gas-powered switchers were for. And they would also keep the per conveyor belt rolling so that there were constant cars ready to go. This is an incredible operation, to be honest. And they also had to do some other things, too. They had to worry about the bark falling up and clogging all of the trestle where they were unloading. The bark would build up, and of course then the train could get derailed by the, all the bark on the track. So the steam, the uh, gas-powered switcher locomotives had basically a snow plow, but it was a special plow built to clean the bark out from in between the tracks. This was quite the operation, to the point where they would move 6,500 cords of wood each week. Again, this is feeding the world's largest paper mill. So this started in a, this started in 1927 and it ended in 1933. The Great Depression had reduced demand for newspapers as people did not have as much money so they bought fewer newspapers you know much like today where people would stop going to movies people would stop subscribing to all the different streaming services people stopped buying newspapers in those days the newspapers printed twice a day and there were multiple papers in every single market New York probably had about 20 papers in 1900. I don't know the exact number, but there were a lot. And there were a lot of papers 
in all major cities. People would buy multiple different papers. During the Depression, they'd only buy one. They'd buy one paper a day. They wouldn't buy five. That was the end of the railroad. But that's not the end of the story. These trains are still up there. Switcher locomotives were useful to the paper company in their mills to move locomotives or uh, train cars to and from, load them up full of newsprint to off to the market. So they hauled those out of there. They had no need for two, at this point, 30-year-old, nearly obsolete steam locomotives. So they parked them in the the locomotive shed and they were kind of waiting until business picked back up before they started the railroad back up. Well, then World War II happened and there was a heavy need for rail. So the rail was picked up to build a rail line in Burma. The locomotive still sat in their shed. By the time everything wrapped up, the war was over, the economy was booming, and they were ready to log this area again. Trucks had taken over, gas-powered saws had taken over, and it was indeed time had passed for the locomotives. So they sat in their shed. Eventually, this land was given to the state of Maine, and it is part of a vast uh, wildlife wilderness area now. It's a very beautiful part of the state. And the Forest Service was, the State Forest Service, took control of it. In 1969... Remember, this train. these trains operated for six years, from 27 to 33. Then they sat in their shed, waiting for the light of day, until 1969, 36 years later. And they had been leased to the Irving Pulp and Paper Company. The shed had been leased from the Forest Service to the Irving Pulp and Paper Company. Now, what Irving was going to do with the shed, with the two locomotives in it, We'll never know. Because the Forest Service had hired somebody to go up and to burn all the cabins and structures that were part of the railroad and the logging camps and all of that stuff up in the woods. They wanted it burned because they wanted to go back to the natural state. And the best way for things to go back to the natural state is, of course, to set it on fire. They were not supposed to burn the locomotive shed. The locomotive shed was obvious. It was the only building in that part. It had tracks running into it. But the contractor said, well, they told me to burn everything. So he burned it. And the state said, oh, it was an accident. And uh, the locomotives had a lot of wood on them. One of them had a wooden cab. The other one had a steel cab, but the rest of the cab was wood on the inside as was the Norman locomotives made in those in the early 1900s and they were completely burned out now they were exposed to the elements 
and completely burned. Well, they caught a lot of flack over this, and so they did go up in 69, and they did slap a coat of paint on them to keep them from rusting because they had burned all the paint off of them. They then went through and pretty much left everything and let the wilderness retake these trains. And there they sat. Everybody knew they were there. A lot of people knew they were there, especially people who were around in the 60s. My father was around in the 60s. I heard about these my entire life. Um, My neighbor up to camp, guy named Al, he ventured off to see them one day, took them all day. He lost a bean boot in the swamp trying to get to them, but he found them and they were about to tip over. They were in pretty bad shape. This would have been somewhere around, somewhere in in the 1980s. In 95, realized that the boiler jackets on both locomotives were rusted through. And all the asbestos that was protecting the boilers was now leaching out into the environment, which is never good. So they did go up and uh, take the boiler jackets off and abate the asbestos. Also, the locomotives were about to tip over. So at that point, uh, somebody's Eagle Scout project, and I forget whose name it was, went up and they stabilized them. In the time since then, there have been some new logging roads put in, and you can now much easily get to them. The previous easy way to get there would be by boat on Eagle Lake or uh, in the winter by snowmobile. Uh, But now it is a lot easier to get there by car, although I wouldn't recommend it if you don't know what you're doing driving down logging roads. Okay. Um, it is not exactly the easiest place to drive. I grew up on these roads and let me tell you, the pulp trucks own the roads and you better watch out for them. You can get there today. Yes, they really did haul a couple of locomotives into the middle of the North Main woods to haul logs for six years. Thank you. And I hope you'll listen to my next episode. Have a great day.